0: You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. church forward and, and you're to be commended and he was telling me, he was showing me the paint swatches on the wall and telling me about uh, the remodel and what's happening in the church and the school and special days coming up and it's exciting to be a part of a church that's going forward and sometimes when you're right in the middle of it, you can take it for granted. You can kind of feel like it's this way everywhere. Can I just tell you something? It's not this way everywhere. There's a lot of churches in America that are dead uh, and, and there's nothing going on and they would give anything to have uh, your pastor and to have a vision and special days and remodeling and revitalization and growth and soul saved and a beast feast i think i heard that's what he said a beast feast i thought man i might come back you know i'll just i'll be pastoring for a few weeks but a beast feast that might be worth coming back for that sounded pretty good so anyway i i trust that you know How blessed you are here at this church and what God is doing and has done and will continue to do and I encourage you to encourage one another provoking one another to love and good works and to encourage your pastor uh, to hold up his arms to love uh, he and his family and encourage them And I know that will mean the world to them. And do pray for our family. We're we're in a weird season of life. It's so awkward right now when you're kind of, you know, you have no place to go. We're about to be homeless, you know. So uh, anyway, pray for us. But we're excited about what God has. And uh, we'll get started up north. And we're looking forward to what the Lord might do. Mark chapter 5. And look with me together in verse number 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship... Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, I love studying the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is an action book, there's more miracles recorded in the Gospel of Mark than in any other book of the Bible. Am I doing it wrong? Go back to this one. Okay, I'll stay here. Is this not working? Not working. Okay, so we'll take that off. It looked good. I I thought I could walk around, but that's all right. If I walk around, I'll just yell really, really, really loud. And somebody in the back, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down and let me know if that's working. Now, Christ had taught on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, long day of teaching. He gets into a boat. He's tired, if you remember the story. And all of a sudden, there's a great storm, and his disciples wake him up. And, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? And the Lord stands up and speaks the words, peace, be still. And immediately, that storm is gone. It's peaceful. There's no wind. There's no waves. And they make their way to the other side. Of the sea of galilee here to uh the area of the gadarenes and this was uh, get the land given to the tribe of gad uh, the east side of the jordan river this was the southeast corner of the sea of galilee my wife and i had the privilege of being in the holy land in may and when you visit the holy land they'll have uh, a sites which they believe this what the bible says happened here they'll have b sites This happened in the Bible. We think it was here. And then they have sea sites. Uh, This happened in the Bible. We don't really know where, so we, we commemorate here. The Sea of Galilee is an A site. Man, when you get on the Sea of Galilee and you look around, you're like, this is the body of water Jesus was on. This is the body of water where that amazing storm happened. And he stood on that boat and said, peace be still. And you think about the Sermon on the Mount on uh, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it's just an incredible thing to be there, to see it, to, and to live it. And it was on that sea as he gets to the shore in the area of the Gadarenes. And now he is confronted with this man who the Bible tells you and I in our scripture that he was a man with an unclean spirit. This was a man who was demon-possessed. Now, I don't know what that looked like, but I would have to imagine that was startling. I remember a few years ago, uh, I was preaching actually not far from here, down in Southern California, for a friend on a Saturday. We were doing uh, kind of a, uh, a workshop kind of a day for all the volunteers, different people involved in different ministry and different sessions. And we had a great day, had lunch, had a full day of training. And I had my daughter Mariah with me at the time. And we finished up and we said goodbye to the pastor. We jumped to the car. I remember we ran in and out. And uh, we got a bite to eat, and then we changed, and we went to Six Flags. And uh, I love roller coasters, the bigger, the crazier, the better. Mariah, my oldest, is, is of that kin uh, uh, as well. And so we said, let's go, dad and daughter, let's go have some fun and ride some rides. So we got to Six Flags, and we didn't have a long time. It was kind of late in Saturday already. We wanted to get ready for church the next day, but we had a few hours. And we got in there, we got to ride some great rides, so we're having a ball. Well, it was about park closing time, it was about to get dark, it, I think it was around September uh, in, uh, uh, on a Saturday, and so we said, okay, we got time, let's ride one more ride, and then we got to go. So we got in line, we got on the ride, we had a lot of fun, we got off the ride. Well, we got off the ride, and we started towards the exit, we could tell something changed. We didn't know what changed, we could tell something changed. The lighting in the park was different, the music in the park was different, it was just weird. And I found an employee and I said, Hey, what's going on? I I thought you guys were closing. And she said, Well, yeah, we're closing because tonight is opening night of Fright Fest. And I said, Really? And she said, Yeah. And I said, Well, what's Fright Fest? And she said, well, Fright Fest is when we take an area of the park and then we convert it to like a haunted house, haunted maze kind of a deal. And then people walk through there and then all of our staff are scaring them and everything. Well, my daughter Mariah, much younger than she is now, I mean, her eyes are getting this big, like, whoa, we're going to walk where? And who's going to scare us? And what do they look like? I mean, she was scared and she hadn't even seen anything yet. So I said to the lady, I said, well, is there any way to get from where we are right now to the exit without going through Fright Fest. She said, No. I said, Okay. Uh, which way can we go and see the least amount of Fright Fest? So she's getting a map out, you know, she's like showing us where you go. So I got Mariah, I said, All right, here we go. We're going to get to the car. We're going to get to the exit. It's going to be fine. So we, we, we got a little ways away from that uh, ride. And then sure enough, we're coming to the corridor. And Okay, that's Fright Fest. You know, and it's, it's the uh, black lights and it was the strobes and it was the smoke and it was the music. And then it was all the rest of it. Uh, people dressed up as all kinds of crazy things and goons and goblins and all this kind of stuff. And they want to scare you. Now, here's the way this works. They want to scare you and they really want to scare the people who are scared. That's just the way it works. And I told Mariah, I said, Mariah, just stay next to me. We're going to get through this as fast as we can. We'll get to the car and it's going to be fine. But well, we entered into that little section of all the people and what they were doing. And sure enough, Mariah was just gripped with fear. And that's, that's, that's her nature. Uh, she didn't like any part of that at all. Well, they kind of liked that she was afraid, and so whatever was going on, whether it was the werewolf or whatever in that little section, they were all coming up to us and scaring us and all these kinds of things because she was scared, and uh, so she's hanging on to dad, and she's crying, and we're trying to get through this corridor, and finally, we made it out of Fright Fest. We got to the car, we made it home, and, and we lived to tell about it, but, um, and I have learned Uh, If you're going to go to Six Flags around Halloween, uh, check what day you're going and what's going on if you've got a little one with you. But anyway, uh, we we learned the hard way, and and we made a memory, uh, unbeknownst, at Fright Fest at Six Flags. Now, I I don't know that I've had someone jump out at me that was possessed with demons. It felt like it that night. That's for sure. But that's exactly what's happening to the Lord Jesus Christ here. He gets out of this boat. It's been a long night on the sea. He's dealt with this incredible weather. And now he is confronted with this wickedness, this man who is possessed with a demon who confronts the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you know the story, something amazing happens. And this man goes from a maniac to a messenger. And I want us to unpack this story together tonight in the scriptures, and I hope and pray that it'll be an encouragement to you. First of all, in our story, I want us to see the condition of this man. Who is it that is this maniac of Gadir that we often would refer to him as? And we know from reading in our scripture tonight, at verse number two, that he was a man who was possessed of an unclean spirit or possessed of a demon. Now, I want to make sure that, that we're on the same page. We do not believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. And we don't believe that because a Christian is indwelt by the Spirit of God. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, as Christians, we can be oppressed by a demon, but we cannot be possessed by a demon. And so we do not believe this man to be a believer. We do not believe this man to be a Christ follower. This man indeed was lost. He was helpless. He was hopeless. He was out without Christ, and he was possessed by an unclean spirit and we see in his life the incredible harm that satan and sin can bring to a life and that's why the bible challenges you and i and peter be sober be vigilant why because the devil he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and this man certainly his life was being devoured by the things of sin and of satan now notice with me about this man his dwelling place. Go back to verse number two. And when he was come out of the ship, speaking of Jesus, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Now, I don't know about you. Um, two weeks ago, I flew up north and I helped uh, preach a funeral. And uh, then we went to the graveside and 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 they said, Pastor Gabe, could you do the graveside? I said, oh, I'd be happy to. And I, I don't know. I don't I don't love being in graveyards. It's just kind of not my thing. Um, you know, even in the middle of the day, you're just not sure. You know, do you, do you stand here or is it okay to stand here? I mean, the tombstone's there, but I'm on top of the body, you know. I mean, how does all this work? I don't know. It's, it's just kind of an awkward place to be in the middle of a graveyard. And as a pastor, you're there uh, from time to time and you're ministering and you're loving people, but it's not a place I would like to go often. But this man lived in the tomb. This was his dwelling place. Uh, This was his home. This is where he lived. This is where he abode. This is where he spent his time. He was among the tombs. And the Bible says that he was unclean. And those certainly go together. He is living among death he is unclean. It's such a picture of where Satan and sin takes you. And here he is dwelling among the tombs. And notice his behavior. Look at verse number four. And because that he had been oft bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with Stones. We see his dwelling place in the tombs. We see his demeanor is one of chaos. This man is out of control. The Bible says that everybody living near there, you could hear him. Why? Because he was crying. He was shouting. He was screaming. He was running around the tombs. He was naked. He was cutting himself. He had long, matted hair. He smelled. He was dirty. He had fresh wounds, he had scars, he had the uh, earmarks all over his body of a sin-wretched life, and this was this man. The Bible says no man could tame him. They had tried. Uh, They had put the fetters on him. They had bound him with chains. They had tried what they could to to, uh, tame his life, and they were unsuccessful in that in any way. This man was a man that everybody knew about and nobody wanted to be around. Uh, He was the taint of the town. Uh, Boy, Gadera is great except for the maniac in the graveyard. I mean, we'd love for mom and dad to visit, but what if? Uh, We'd love to host Thanksgiving, but what if? Uh, We'd love to be able to go outside at night, but what if? I mean, the entire town knew about this man and it was the blemish on the town for sure this man was in a grave condition then as we move on together tonight in our story i see the change made possible by the lord jesus christ church i'm encouraged tonight to think about the fact that every time that jesus christ comes on the scene something's about to happen Uh, jesus christ is a change agent Uh, jesus christ brings incredible radical change Uh, jesus christ is in the life changing business and the lord jesus christ comes across the sea through a storm to the shore he's confronted with this man in a grave condition and the lord jesus christ is here to bring Change And I'm encouraged tonight to be reminded that Jesus Christ came not to be ministered to, but to minister. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And what happens when the Lord Jesus Christ meets this man? Well, notice the devotion of the man in verse number 6. The Bible says, but when he, the maniac of Gadara, he's got cuts and he's got long hair and he smells and he's crazy. When he, the Bible says in verse number 6, saw Jesus Uh, Afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now I can just imagine in my mind's eye: I'm one of the disciples. I'm with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we have just endured a storm like none other. These disciples thought they were going to die. They told the Lord Jesus Christ, "Carest thou not that we perish?" They thought their life was over. Jesus stands up, speaks speaks the words, "Peace be still." Boom! Perfect calm. I mean, they're still talking about that coming to the shore. Man, can you believe what we just saw? Can you believe what Jesus did? Can you imagine no wind, no rain, no no a storm? This is incredible. And they get off the boat talking about that, and boom. Here comes this maniac out of the tombs running for their boat. Now, I don't know about you. I don't care what the storm was like. I would have gotten it back in the boat. I would have been like, put me back in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. I'm out of here. This crazy guy is running at us from the tombs. The Lord Jesus Christ sees this man. And this man sees the Lord from afar off, the Bible says. And he runs to him and he worships. The Bible says in verse number 7, "It cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Can you imagine in your mind's eye what that looked like? Here was this man out of control. Chaos in every way. Life in shambles. The outcast of town. The blemish of the area of the Gadarenes, hated by everybody, he is in prostate, he is in worship of the Lord Jesus Christ at his feet. Now, Normally, when anybody came by the area of the graves, they knew never go alone, they knew never go at night, and they knew if you're going to go by, you better be on the lookout, because this man could do you harm. The Lord Jesus Christ comes in his area and this man comes along and he is before him and he is worshiping him. Now we see in verse number seven that he speaks to the Lord. But you see what he says, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Many believe that these are the demons living in him speaking directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a lesson to be learned here because Even though this man was possessed with an unclean spirit, even though this man was demon-possessed, it was very obvious as they confronted the Lord Jesus Christ who was in charge. It was very obvious who had authority. It was very obvious who had power. There was no question that Jesus Christ was in a position of authority and power and, and in a position far superior to the demons inside of this man that we refer to as the maniac of Gadara. In fact, the Bible reminds us that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible tells you and I that even the devils believe and tremble and here were these unclean spirits, here were these demons, and now they are face to face with the living Son of God and they are in worshipful prostrate. But then notice what they say in verse number 7. Torment me not. These demons inside of this man... Who are ruining his life. He's not home. He's not with his wife. He's not with his kids. He's not with his friends. He's not working his job. He's not going to his church. He's not going to the beach feast. He's not on the softball team. He's not involved in any of that. He's missing out on everything. He's living among the tombs. He's cutting himself. He's crying and screaming and foaming at the mouth. I mean, he is an embarrassment. And because of the unclean, wicked spirits inside of him, but within those unclean, wicked spirits see Jesus Christ, what they plead to him is, Lord, torment me not. Listen to me very carefully. You could not get more hypocritical. These same demons who are destroying this man's life say to the Lord Jesus Christ, torment me not. Sometimes Satan wants to put something in front of our life Tempting us that his way is better. Here's a shortcut. Here's a this. Here's a that. This is better. You'll like it. It'll make you happy. You be you. And sometimes we can be tempted to follow Satan in this way. We can be tempted to follow that temptation. We can be tempted to live in disobedience or contrary to God's word. And I'm telling you. Satan, Jesus, or Satan rather, is wanting to lead you and I down a path where he can devour our life or he can sift us as wheat. And it's not because he wants your life better, it's because he wants your life over. He wants your life rendered ineffective for the Lord. And that's what they were doing to this man, but they were begging Jesus Christ to give them mercy. Well, how does Jesus Christ handle this? Well, notice the deliverance beginning in verse number eight. For he said unto them, Here's Jesus, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nine to them, mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. So here the demons are having this conversation with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to cast them out of this man. And they talk to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they ask... Lord, would you put us into the pigs? There's some pigs over there. We want to go there. And we see in this conversation, we see in this dialogue, Jesus Christ is superior. The unclean, wicked, demonic spirits are inferior. The Bible says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, Jesus says, What is your name? They said, Legion. A legion of Roman soldiers consisted of 3,000 to 6,000 Roman soldiers. We do not know how many demons or unclean spirits were in this man, but we know it was in the thousands. In a minute, we're going to see that it was a couple thousand swine that then were inhabited by these wicked, unclean spirits, and their lives were choked from them. In fact, look at that in verse number 13. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Now, many (laughs) believe that the demons did not want Jesus just to cast them out into hell. So they said, okay, put us into the swine. And could you just imagine, like, being a shepherd in the field that day? I mean, could you imagine, like, maybe this is your lunch break, and you've got your bologna sandwich, and you got your chips, and you got your Coke or whatever. I don't know what they had in Bible times. Maybe it was Pepsi. I don't know. But anyway, so you're there, you're having lunch, you know, and your job is to watch uh, the pigs and everything. And it's a great day, the beautiful weather, everything's going fine. And then, boom, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 2,000 pigs just take off as fast as they can, through the field, over the cliff, down, and they die into the sea. That would be an amazing day at work. I mean, you would be like, what in the world just happened? This is crazy. And Jesus Christ delivers this man of the unclean spirits. He speaks the words, and they're into 2,000 pigs, and they are dead. The Bible is clear. The Bible says in verse number 13, forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. The spoken word of the Lord Jesus Christ was all it took to rid this man of these unclean spirits. Friend, you and I hold tonight God's word in our hand. It's quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the answer to life's problems. It has the guide and direction that you need for every day. It is what it is your guidebook for life. And those tonight that have a hurting heart, it has comfort for you. And those tonight that are a bit skeptical, it has reason for you. And those tonight a bit hesitant, it can give you confidence and clarity. And those tonight not sure, it can be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Friend, God's word is what we need. And the Lord Jesus Christ speaks this. And this man's life is changed in an instance. Well, what happened? Look at verse 15. This is so cool. And they come. To Jesus and see him. Here's the maniac of Gadara that was possessed with the devil. And he, or rather and had the legion, watch this, sitting and clothed. And in his right mind, and they were afraid. Here's this man. Jesus says, I give leave. This legion of unclean demonic spirits go into these swine. They run over the cliff. They die. And now here is this man. Clothed in his right mind. Sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in Luke's account, the Bible says they went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Think of it. They had seen this man before, but certainly not sitting. He was running around the tombs. He was screaming. He was foaming. He was cursing. He was yelling. He was cutting himself. There was blood. There was filth. It It was a mess. But there he is seated at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, can I, re- can I remind you in this crazy, angry, bitter, chaotic world in which we live, that God is still the giver of peace, that God is still the giver of rest, that God is still the giver of calm... That God can handle the tumultuous situation. The Bible says in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This man was experiencing something he had forgotten about. To sit down, to be at rest, to be at peace, to be able to think, to be able to reason. Oh, what a blessing it was. There he was seated at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was clothed. Now, we didn't read about it in Mark, but in Luke's account, the Bible says of this man that he had devils a long time and he wear no clothes. The Bible says specifically this man ran around those tombs naked. That's what he did? That's who he was known for. That was his behavior. But the minute he came into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, the minute those wicked, unclean spirits were departed from him, the Bible says he was clothed. I'm reminded tonight that God's internal change always leads to external change. It started with the demons being cast out. We know they were because they went into the pigs and we know what happened. They went over the cliff and they died. It always starts with an internal change, but then an internal change always leads to an external change. And this man who was then cleansed of the, uh, the unclean demonic spirits now was clothed and sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things become new. Sometimes we want to have a religion that we believe on the inside but doesn't affect our outside. Friend, that is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ was victory over sin and death. And when you and I accept Jesus Christ as our savior and his spirit indwells us, friend, I'm about to tell you, he wants to change every part of you. He doesn't want any part of you to reflect you he wants every part of you to reflect him, the inside and the outside, the way your heart is clean and the way your mouth speaks, the way your mind thinks and the way your eyes look. God wants every part of you to reflect him. He wants you and your life and your behavior to bring him honor and glory. And this internal change led to an external change in this man's life. The Bible tells us in verse 15, he was sitting, he was clothed and he was in his right mind. This man, I believe, had forgotten what it was like to be in his right mind. He was so overtaken with the unclean spirits and the demons, he didn't know what sound thinking was. He had forgotten what common sense felt like. There was no rationale left in him. He was just a wild man, literally living like a wild animal amongst the tombs. But when Jesus came, he's in his right mind. And he can see the living Son of God with clarity. And he has the mental capacity to know what God has just done for him. Friend, you and I live in a culture that would like you and I to think that believing in and living for Jesus is insane. It's crazy, it's not normal, it's not rational. It makes no sense, and by the way, it wasn't really designed to make sense. (laughs) We're to walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God doesn't mind you and I being a little different. In fact, God wants you and I to be peculiar. God's not worried about whether or not you and I blend in. In fact, he wants you and I to stand out. God is not worried about whether or not you and I have a lot of people who like us. He tells us in his word that if we're gonna live godly, we're gonna suffer some persecution. God is not all that worried whether or not you and I are comfortable down here below. God is worried about whether or not you and I are ready to live with him above. And there's going to have to be something settled in your heart and settled in your mind that if I believe in God and I live for God and I serve God and God has my life, then there's going to be some people who don't understand it, who don't like it, who mock it, and that's going to be okay. Because here was this man sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in his right mind. Friend, remember the Bible says the fool has said in, her heart, in his heart, there's no God. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. There will be people who deny God, deny his word, mock his existence, and mock anyone who believes in him or stands for him. You're going to have to settle in your heart whose opinion of you matters more. Is it your co-workers or God's? Is it your neighbors or God's? Is it your relatives or God's? Whose opinion of you matters more? Friend, what do we want to hear? Someday when we look our Savior in the face, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And despite what's happening in 2022, and despite what's happening in our country and our culture, and despite what's happening, that it seems on a daily basis that we think, I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. Despite all of that, God wants you and I to follow him faithfully. He wants us to fall with a sound mind because he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. And here was this man in a terrible condition, now experiencing this change brought about by the Savior, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Well, notice with him quickly tonight in our story, the confession of the people. Go back to verse 14. And they that fed the swine and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. Now, remember, remember the guys on their lunch break Remember the guys, bologna sandwiches, chips, and Cokes, and Pepsis? They're out there. Their job is to watch the swine. And all of a sudden, in an instant, all of these swine begin to make noise, and they begin to move. And then as a herd, they run over the cliff, and they die. Well, imagine explaining to your boss how you lost 2,000 pigs in one day. I mean, you're going to get fired or arrested or something. So the minute this happens thinking of themselves, thinking of their job, thinking of what fault they might be at, they run into the city. They tell the people in the city what happened, and now everybody runs out with them. And they see uh, the man's city, clothed as right man. Look at verse number 16. And when they saw it, they told them how it befell to him, and that was possessed with the devil and all concerning the swine. They run into that city. They said, listen, you got to come see this. And they come out, and everybody can see. Here's the maniac of Gadar. Here's the crazy man. Here's the man that everybody feared. He's sitting and clothed in his right mind, and now these farmers are telling the story. Here's what happened. We don't know who it is. This guy came up in a ship. He got out of this boat. The maniac ran over to him. He knelt down. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if he was going to hurt him. We just heard them talking, and then boom! We saw the pigs, and they began to squeal, and they ran, and they went over the cliff, and they died. And we look back at the man. He was just sitting and clothed. He was having a normal conversation. We had never seen anything like it before. The whole city comes to see and to hear what happened. Now, some have asked, why did Jesus cast the demons in the swine? Remember when they were conversing, the demons didn't want to be cast into outer darkness. They asked for the swine. The Lord Jesus Christ gave them leave. There are several reasons, I think, for that. It certainly gave proof of the miracle. Nobody doubted what happened that day. Many saw these 2,000 swine running to their death. We know that under Mosaic law, the swine were unclean. The keeping, the selling of was illegal. This was an unclean, illegal practice, and maybe it was in judgment for that. But I believe tonight that this was a vivid illustration to a Christ-rejecting crowd. That to Satan, it makes no difference whether it's a man or a pig. Satan hates anything that God created. Satan hates God. And to Satan, it does not matter. Because Satan is out to destroy everything that God made and that God set in order. And in Satan's economy, you and I are nothing more than swine. We matter nothing to Him. His entire objective is to destroy our life because of His hatred towards our Creator. And Jesus Christ was just communicating to that town, this is what Satan thinks of you, and this is what I can do. And what an incredibly vivid illustration it was. Well, I'm sure when those owners, when these Uh, the ones who owned the swine and owned the farms and owned the ranches and and had the business, as I'm sure when their hired hands came into the city and told them what happened, and I'm sure when they came out and they saw what happened, and here was this maniac sitting and clothed in his right mind, I'm, I'm sure they went to Jesus Christ and they said, Thank you! The blemish of our town is gone. You have restored peace and tranquility. Thank you! Now look at verse number 17. And they began to pray to him, depart out of their coast. It is not a prayer of gratitude. It is not a prayer of, I need what he got. It is a prayer of, get out of here. You have disrupted our life. You have wrecked our livelihood. You have upended the status quo. We want you gone. Amazing. The Lord Jesus Christ comes and has compassion on the one man that nobody can stand that everybody is deathly afraid of and hates with all of their guts. And Jesus Christ changes his life. The gratitude that he gets for that is to be run out of town. is to be told that he's not welcome. is to be told, get out of here. Depart. We don't want you. I don't know that I understand that other than to know that I think for these business owners these landowners the ones who owned the ranches and the farms they knew that their livelihood just was turned upside down that moment of being upset with the Lord Jesus Christ and wanting to drive him out of their town they were indicating that their wealth was far more important than the welfare of the people. And the fact that their way of life was about to be infringed upon, they wanted nothing to do with it. Friend, I know we live in a crazy world. I know we desperately need Jesus. And I believe that Jesus has the power to change the craziest things and make them right. But Jesus is going to want to know whether or not you and I really want that. And more than that, he's going to to know if you and I are willing to pay the price for that. Are we willing to have our convenience inconvenienced a little bit? Are we willing to have our schedule altered a little bit? Are we willing to have a season of being uncomfortable a little bit? What are we willing to give so that Jesus can do the work that only he can do? He was doing it in Gadara, and they hated him for it, and they were driving him out of town. But the Lord Jesus Christ does not stay where He was not wanted, <clears throat> and he does begin to leave. When he does, this man, whose life was just radically changed, goes to the Lord. He doesn't want the Lord to leave. He wants to stay with the Lord. The Lord gives him a special challenge, a special charge right at the end. And I want you to see it in verse number 18. The Bible says that when he was coming to the ship, he, Jesus coming to the ship, he, the maniac that was possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. The word pray there means to beg here the town is saying Jesus get out of here. You've ruined our life. The pigs are dead. We don't have livelihood. Get out of here. Jesus Christ and his disciples they make their way to the ship there on the sea shore of Galilee. And this man, he knew what Jesus had done. Think of it. He was the living soul he was the living body that the demons were inside of he was there as the demons were conversing with jesus and jesus with the demons he felt those demons leave his body he watched those demons go into the swine he watched those swine violently run and die he knew what it was to kneel at the feet of the lord jesus christ and to look him in the eye and to have conversation with him he knew the change that had happened while the rest of the town didn't want anything to do with jesus he wanted everything to do with Jesus. Amen. He said, Jesus, please don't go. And if you've got to go, let me go with you. I want to be with you. Notice the Lord's response in verse number 19. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Now, this is not Jesus Christ rejecting him. This is not Jesus Christ saying, no, 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 I don't want you. No, no, no. This is Jesus Christ giving this man a responsibility. This is Jesus Christ giving this man a mission. This is Jesus Christ giving this man a message to tell. Jesus said, hey, you don't need to go with me right now. You don't need a 20-week discipleship course. You don't need uh, four years at Bible college. You don't need any of that. I want you to go home and tell them what happened. I want you to go and tell. Jesus Christ was not refusing him, but rather he was enlisting him. He was giving him a responsibility. He was assigning him the task of being a home missionary. I want you to go and to tell what the Lord hath done for thee, how I had compassion on you, how when everybody else cursed you and ran, that I came to you and through a storm to do it. Friend, you and I have a responsibility tonight. Jesus came to us. When we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, when we were suffering the wages of sin, when we were eternally separated from God, Jesus Came to us, and he was born of a virgin, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross, and he shed his blood, and he was buried three days and three nights. But oh, he rose again on that Sunday morning, and he gained victory over sin and death, and he freely extends the gift of salvation. And I'm so thankful tonight that you and I can claim first John 5:13 that I may know that I have eternal life, and what a precious gift it is to be saved, to be a Christian, to be heaven-bound. But with that relationship comes a responsibility. We must go and tell. Go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. This is exactly what this man did. Look at verse number 20 as we close. The Bible says, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. This man obeyed. He obeyed immediately. The Bible says he published, which means to proclaim or to preach. He was one of the earliest missionaries to the Gentile people. He told them, this is what Jesus did for me. And the Bible says in verse number 20, those people did marvel. It means to be astonished or to be in wonder. Friend, is the life you're living tonight making people be astonished with God? Is your message making people tonight to marvel at the creator of the universe? This man went from being a maniac to a messenger. He was in a terrible condition, and so were we in our sin. He experienced a radical change, and so did we when we accepted Christ as our saviour. Other people saw the difference, and I hope they see it in you. But then he accepted the responsibility to go and tell. Church, as you turn the corner to the fall, to your Roundup Sunday, to the Beast Feast, all the things that are happening in this wonderful church, can I encourage you, be a messenger. Tell somebody tomorrow about the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell them what Jesus did for you. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about what others might do. Be a messenger. Just tell people what God did for you. And may because of you, people come to marvel at the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord.